All right, all right, all right. Uh, welcome to the Baker's Dozen episode of the Point of Pittsburgh, the podcast. I am Kevin Cray. No, I'm Steve DiMaselli. And uh, if I am correct, I believe it's my turn on the couch after I uh, did a very good job listening to you last week, I believe. You it was it was really sure did. Yeah, I I just remember like we really connected on that topic that you talked about okay. that time. That topic, eh? Uh-huh. Okay, let's 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 hear it. Go for it. All right. So here's what I got for you. Uh the Hall of Fame voting came out, and Scott Rowland was the lone uh electee. Is that a word, I guess? And that's um, not right, because there were a lot of old, crusty people who still can't get past their own high horses, whether it's the PED thing, which, okay, I'll give you some time for, but this whole thing of, well, I didn't see any Hall of Famers on this ballot. And there's one old dinosaur in particular who calls Pittsburgh his home, and that's Ron Cook. Uh, who's been around since approximately the Gutenberg press, but has never written anything that has ever resonated with anybody, or you never hear any people say, oh man, did you read what Ron Cook said today? So for, I believe, the third year in a row, he submitted a blank ballot as a form of protest against the PED era and also his own uh, level of crustiness. So this tells me uh, a bunch of things about Ron Cook. One, He's a dinosaur. Uh, two, he is a small hall guy to an absurd degree. If you can't even feel the need to vote any of Scott Rowland, Todd Helton, Andrew Jones, uh, in terms of those guys who are, quote, clean or you know theoretically clean. Uh, the third is he's just an idiot. And he probably should not be able to continue to have the privilege of voting for the Hall of Fame. I find it extremely hard to believe that there is not one Hall of Famer on this ballot, even if you take out the PED nonsense. Uh, Those three guys I just named are all worthy candidates. Uh, Billy Wagner is a very good candidate who is uh, presumably, quote, clean. So... Uh, I'm just very tired. I, I've, I don't really get affected by the Hall of Fame vote per se. I don't get worked up that Player X wasn't voted in. I just get worked up when people are really bad at their job. Oh, man, Kevin. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, th- thanks a lot. I mean, you, you did a good job listening. I, I felt like you didn't connect as well as I did last week with you, but. Um, you were there for me, so, you know, thanks. Oh, man, feels so much better. So, about the Hall of Fame talk, uh, got me thinking, with okay. with the return of Kutch donning the black and gold, uh, A, will we ever see a Pittsburgh Pirate go into the Hall of Fame in our lifetimes? Uh, wearing a pirate's cap, not just like a guy who came here for like a cup of coffee. And B, when Kutch does hang it up, do you think he's going to get the Kenny Lofton treatment and go out 
in, in his first year with under 5%? Or do you think he might actually stick around at least for a couple years? Maybe, I'm not saying he's going to get in, but do you think he's at least going to stick around past that first year? So what are your thoughts on yes. that? Yes. Yes to both. Um, first of all, uh, to, to, to your first question, I, I'm I'm not planning on dying that soon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, okay. you know, I, I'd like to think uh, I'd like to think that I've, I've got some years in me before I'm going to croak. So I do think that there's a long time, you know, there's a long time to uh, to squeeze somebody in there. So I wouldn't rule it out. Um, I, I mean, you know, this uh, this ownership group, obviously, you know, uh, they're hard to keep people around for a very long time, especially elite players. Mm-hmm. Um but that being said, I, I think they'll still find a way at some point in time to get somebody in. Uh, as far as Kutch sticking around on the ballot, if Scott Rowland is going to get into the Hall of Fame, then I I would hope that Andrew McCutcheon is going to get uh, onto the second ballot at least. Um, because I don't see, you know, Kutch has got a couple more years of life in him as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, so he's got some, he's still got some work to do here. But when you look at his career number of hits and home runs, they're not really that far off of Rollins. I mean, I understand that Roland did have a great defensive career, but he never won an MVP. He really only finished in the top five once, I want to say. Um, he's got a couple more all-star games than Kutch does. But um, but that being said, like, his his career numbers are not what I would think they would be. Like, I mean, to me, Jones and, and Helton are better candidates, but evidently you can't go in the hall if you ever played in Colorado. It's like the PED of cities. <laughs> well, I, I just hope he doesn't get the Larry Walker treatment. I hope Helton, he's really close. I think he's going to get in next year. Mm-hmm. Um, he will. Beltre is uh, 100% going to get in on the first ballot. Sure. He's probably going to clear, I'd say, 90%. Um, but the, the cases for both Jones, who's my personal hobby horse, and Helton are, are really gaining steam. And uh, I think Billy Wagner's going to get in as well. I'm not necessarily sure he's going to get in next year, but I'd say next year we're probably going to be looking at three to four, if I had to guess. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a little bit better next year. Uh, but yeah, I just, I can't, uh, you know, I think for McCutcheon, he just, he didn't have as long of a peak and that's the problem. He has, right. he has the hardware, um, but he just needed, he had like those four to five great years. But, you know, just looking at the Jaws ranking, you're looking at the seven-year peak. Um, and they don't have to all be right. conse- consecutive, of course. It's the seven best years. But, you know, uh, R- Roland had a very early on seven-war season uh, in only his second full season. Um, and then he pretty much was solid, dipping no lower than 46 for uh, seven years in a row, and then he had a couple right. had a couple late late years. You know, uh, even his age thirty five season in Cincinnati, he managed a four point eight WAR, um, mostly as you said on the back of having a 
one of the, the best gloves of the modern era for third base. Um, probably second only to the gentleman who we talked about just a minute ago, Adrian Beltre, who uh, would probably, I'd say, probably have the best defense. Nolan Arenado might have something to say about that, but probably the best defense of the past 20 years at, at third Brian base. Uh, I'm not... <laughs> I, I'm in a, we talk about him enough. Let's move. Yeah, on. I'm in a quasi so. quasi good mood tonight. So, um, so I guess you know, Kutch. I just hope Kutch at least gets to hang around, and we can have a discussion about him for a couple of years. That's all I'm hoping for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he um, if he does have a bounce back year of some type. Uh, if he has one of those sort of feel back years or one of those best shape of my career years as a pirate, and this feels like a good candidate to be a possibility for one of those where he does bounce back and maybe, you know, surprises people and ends up getting a two and a half, three and a half war season somewhere in that neck of the woods. He's going to really strengthen his case a lot. Um, and I don't know, again, that, that means that he's going to really pad some of those counting stats again, that I think these old stodgy farts that, you know, um, that you, you know, we're, we're talking about, those are the folks that, um, are, are, are going to be on the, the, f- the fence about him. But uh, again, like, I, I don't know, man, I, I'm still not impressed with Rollins, you know, hall of fame resume. And like I said, if, if, if he's in, then that opens the door for a lot of people in my humble opinion. So, uh, going back to Kutch just for a minute, um, you wanted to talk a little bit about Kutch and the DH role. Yeah. So as the pirates introduced him uh, to to the media, they one of the things that stood out to me in the uh, the press conference was that they said that he was going to predominantly be a DH, which is not what either of us thought at all last week. No, and that's that kind of opens up a little bit of question marks about Santana. Uh, I don't know if that's a guy that I really want in the field. To be honest with you, at age thirty-seven, I believe, mm-hmm. um, and and even Choi, to a lesser extent, I think needs to probably see some DH time as well, uh, and that does that does make things a little bit more interesting defensively in the outfield as well, right. Yeah, and I mean, I think it speaks to a pretty strict platoon at first base. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that. Um, we're going to see either of those two venture out that much. We're not going to see them face the same handed pitcher barring, you know, injury. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It opens up, uh, it opens up right field at this point. And uh, with Andahar off the roster, I'm not really sure where that's going. Um, it could be a guy that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. And that's Cal Mitchell. Uh, I mean, he seems like the most likely candidate. I mean, it's also not out of the question that, um, you know, I mean, they hung on to, to Joe Ryan. Uh, I, I think Ryan Velotti, the guy that they picked up on waivers from the the the, the Rockies earlier in the offseason, who just seems to be impervious uh, to uh, to getting DFA'd, even though I think a lot of people thought he was the likely candidate when Kutch was announced. Um, I mean, I mean, I, who knows? I mean, it could be, uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting situation out there. Um, but I don't think there's a clear, clear favorite for right field at this point. It sounds, seems like it's going to be an open competition and Andohar cleared waivers. So we can't even really rule him out from this competition at this point either. 
I think looking at who's there, I think Cal Mitchell probably has the edge at this point to make the roster. I think he's probably the guy that is uh, is is most likely to get there. But that being said, I mean, I don't think there's a ton of clarity in the outfield uh, like there was previously uh, or what we thought previously when, when we thought Kutch was going to be the guy in left field. Um, totally throws this for a loop as far as I'm concerned. So uh, I, I think the lineup is a little little hazier now. But that being said, I also, um, I mean, you don't want to get uh, see Santana in the field. I, I don't necessarily want to see him hitting against righties all the time either. So, I mean, there is a give and take there. Uh, it's going to be real rough watching, uh, uh, <laughs> watching O'Neal Cruz and 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 those guys trying to like snag his uh his his you know 95 mile an hour fastballs from uh from from shortstop in the dirt you know it's going to be real rough so i don't know if you saw it or not steve but this week uh keith law came out with his farm system rankings not top 100 but like the farm system for each each organization and uh, it was on the athletic, and I want you to take a wild guess at where Mr. Law, who's not everyone's cup of tea, uh, ranked the pirate system. Well, I actually know the answer to that, so it really wouldn't be a wild guess. But I, I, I that being said, knowing what I know about Keith Law's, uh, knowing what I know about Keith Law's general opinion on certain prospects in the pirate system, I would imagine that he's probably slightly higher than the average prognosticator in terms of his rating of the pirate system. But uh, he does have us as sixth. I do think that that's uh, maybe a little surprisingly low. I, I kind of, um, I, I still think the pirates have a quite a bit of depth, um, and uh, you know, I, I do think that he. You know, maybe it's a touch on the low side. See, that's Lots. that's funny because maybe I'm just like the grumpy old man, but I thought it was actually a touch high. I was very pleasantly surprised because he was talking about how, um, you know, Henry Davis had been, as he said, bit by the injury bug, been on the injured list twice. Uh, Nick Gonzalez, who I'm not a huge fan of, was hurt for a huge part of the year. And he talks about how Lonnie White was out for almost the entire season. So I thought it was pretty, um, it was behind the upside, I guess we could say, to put Mm -hmm. the Pirates at six. uh, Because if you're basically at that point, if you're kind of talking about those three guys, you're basically just riding on Andy Rodriguez and to a lesser extent Quinn Priester um, in terms of upside. Uh, And of course, Tamar Johnson, you know, I'm sure he has him pretty highly rated. Uh, as well, so I, I was I was very pleasantly surprised by it. I think what separates the pirate system though is depth, and and I do think he's higher on Johnson and Davis than than most people are right now. Um, you know, I, I think he had them, you know, quite a bit higher in his his top one hundred list than than most people. I know he was uh, all over Johnson, you know, coming out of uh, the high school into the draft. Um, but I, again, I, I think it, 
The issue is, is I don't think depth is weighed in. And I really legitimately do think that the Pirates probably have one of the deeper systems in baseball at this point. Not just in terms of like, you know, deep at the top end or deep at like kind of the high average end. Um, but I mean, I think they've got a ton of like guys that could break out a lot of those like 40s and 40 plus guys. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's really where the strength of the system lies. And I know you and I have over the years had a differing, a differing opinion on how we evaluate prospects. You have a tendency to, to you know, heavily weight the the top end. Whereas I like to think that it's, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're complete crapshoots. So really the more that you have, uh, you know, of them, the more likely you are to get something out of it, even mm -hmm. if they are fringy and maybe don't look the best. But I mean, it's, it's, it's plain and simple. It's the old, uh, you know, the, the old saying as it goes, you know, you throw enough crap at the wall, you know, and some of it's bound to stick. And I mean, I, I really genuinely think that that's a solid philosophy for developing players in the major league, you know, in major league farm systems. Yeah. I mean, I definitely take that philosophy when it comes to international prospects. Um, we touched on this a couple episodes ago, I guess that the Starling Martes and the Gregory Polancos of the world were not high bonus, high bonus babies. I think each of them was $50,000 or less, if I remember right. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, e even though the Pirates didn't sign him, Andy Rodriguez is in that same same pot, you know, he was not a, a high bonus baby. Whereas some of the higher ones over the years, not just for the pirates, but for other organizations have flamed out spectacularly. Um, but for me, I, I do differ because I think you win with stars and I'd rather see a, a, a loaded top with maybe not as much depth, um, than, than the inverse, but either way we're, uh, I think both on the same page that we're going to see a lot of talent percolate up this year to the major leagues, and that's going to start to form that nucleus, that critical mass of talent that I'm always yammering on about that's going to uh, keep the Pirates pretty interesting this year. And as I've said before, they're going to, I think they're going to make the playoffs in 2024. But speaking of those kind of uh, under-the-radar prospects or maybe guys that have a little bit of a falling star to them. Uh, I thought we could do a fun game, and this is where, Steve, you're going to insert some jaunty game show music. I thought we could... Am I? Yeah, you'll find... I don't know about that. No, you'll find something. I have faith in you. All right. You're... Just go get... Walk out your door, swing a dead cat, and get a hipster to record something on a kazoo with like a self-attached cymbal system you know the hipsters are all in austin now man it's it's not it's not like that anymore there's got to be like some anymore there's got to be some handlebar mustache tatted up dude like within 50 feet of your house anyway no but anyway yes so we're gonna do a little game of are you holding man and that's where we're gonna either buy sell or hold onto some prospects that uh you've selected that we could see at different levels of the system this year. So we're going to start, do you want to start at the top with major league or do you want to work from the bottom up at the A ball level? Uh, it actually might be more interesting to start down towards the bottom. You got it. So why don't we, why don't we start at the bottom? Okay. 
So first up is Brennan Malone. Yeah, this is a guy that has really sort of seen his star fall, and he was part of the Starling Marte trade, correct? That's correct, from the Diamondbacks. Him and Paguero, or yep. Paguero. Um, you know, I mean, obviously Paguero's um, progressed pretty decently. Um, you know, maybe struggled a little bit this past year, but Malone was, he was a hotshot pitcher, you know, um, when 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 they made that trade, and and, and he was a big-time upside guy. He's like one of those high-ceiling, low-floor guys. Um, and he just really hasn't pitched at all. Yeah. He's had a variety of shoulder and arm issues. And uh, at this point, he's basically in the witness protection program. And I'm doing a hard, hard sell Mortimer on that one. Yeah. I mean, the thing of it is, is, is you know, I, 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 I don't necessarily want to sell here because there's still some intrigue and upside but I mean I'm certainly not buying anything there's not anything to buy really right I mean I I think I just like to maybe give him one more year and see if he can actually you know string more than 10 innings together you know I mean I would that be too much to ask so combined between the years 2021 and 2022 how many innings has Brennan Malone pitched over these past two seasons? No, oh, I'm I'm also you're setting me up for these pitches or these these questions, and I'm uh, I'm actually looking at the answer again right now. So it's about twenty innings, yep. uh, a little less than twenty innings. Um, that's twenty more innings. So I mean, than I, I've pitched. I would have guessed that was that's about ten more than I would have actually guessed though. I thought he was in the eight-ish range. Um, yeah. yeah, the guy just I feel bad for him. He can't stay healthy. I mean. Um, you know he he should be he should be at, at, at least at high A now. Um, you know and 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 at this point you know he's I don't think he's running out of of eligibility. But uh, I mean it's not like he's like knocking on the door to to minor league free agency. But I mean he's already been Rule Five eligible. Um, yeah. You know so so he's down into that that crunch. You know so it'll be interesting to see what the Pirates do to him. Do they throw him in the you know, if he can stay healthy, do they just throw him in the bullpen and just try to progress him as fast as they can? Or do they still try to maximize any ceiling, especially if he's looking decent and actually try to keep him in the rotation? All right, so up next is Po Yu Chen. You want to wax philosophic first, or you want me to go? No, go ahead, go ahead. Huge buy. I'm in the, okay. I'm in the Po Yu Chen business. Um mostly because I can't get out of my head what he did in the complex league a couple years ago. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then he did very well when he got up to low A. Um, He didn't exactly set the world on fire last year, uh, but I still love the age. Uh, He was pitching at age 20 last year Yep. um, in low A, which is perfectly acceptable. Still at a nice K rate. Uh, 22 starts, 98 innings, and I'm ready to see him move up to uh, high A this year. Yeah, peripherals were good. I mean, there's nothing to dislike on him. I mean, he feels like the potential to be a uh, a breakout guy. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I I mean, I don't think he's a big softball or a big fastball guy. Um, No. You know, but at the same time, you know, he's he could be a finesse 
righty um, mm-hmm. and and be a pretty interesting one at that. You know, yep. those 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 strikeout numbers are pretty good for uh, for a finesse guy. I mean, even if it is lower levels, so you know, I mean, breaking ball centered guys, you know, play up at the lower levels, but at, at the same time, um, he's definitely one to watch, and I'm I'm curious to see how things go. Yeah, solid solid walk rate, low home run rate, and. Uh, mm-hmm. All those things together for me, I'm I'm definitely buying it. All right, high A. We got a pair of outfielders here. Uh, both were highly touted in their own right. We'll start off with Hudson Head. Yeah, I'm I, again. I'm not necessarily ready to sell on him, um, but again, I'm not necessarily buying either. I, I do think the guy's still got some upside. I, I you know, I, I feel like. When a player has a season like he had last year, it almost feels like, you know, maybe they're tweaking something. You know, what are they working on? Um, you know, I, I mean, he he really did struggle for vast chunks of it and then seemed to get it together, together a little bit towards the end. But, I mean, the K rate is definitely scary, especially when you pair it with the fact that he doesn't – he hasn't hit a ton of home runs. Um, but, I, I mean – you know, he, he again, he's still decent age for the level. Um, so, I, I mean, I could see him snapping out of it. Um, but he also did, you know, struggle, I guess, a little bit last year in a, a, a strong, you know, power environment in, um, you know, or a strong hitters environment in, in, in Greensboro. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's not a great sign either. But I'm, again, I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to sell here, but I, I mean, this this does feel like a real make or break year for him. Sell, sell, sell. I want out of the Hudson Head business. Okay. Um, I don't see how they can promote him to Altoona uh, with the year that he had. And this year, at least according to Fangraphs, he's eligible for the Rule 5 draft. Um, I just don't see a whole lot to really get get excited about with him. He's going to be 22 uh, this year. So I'm not saying that the cement is dried on him, but if he's 22 and repeating high A, uh, I just can't really get behind it. All right, up next, uh, a recent, was he uh, a comp, comp round pick or was he a second round pick? But it's Sammy Siani. I think he was a comp round pick. I think I want right. to say he was a comp round pick. Yeah. I could be wrong on that though, but um, again, we're, we're sticking with some guys. In the, um, it, it seems like we're running on the the 2019 draft here um, with guys that we're talking about so yep. far. I think three out of the four were, uh, yeah, and definitely. Uh, oh no no no, he was a. Um, yeah no no no, he was the comp round pick. Yes, yeah. correct. So um, so we're 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 really running on guys from the 2019 draft at this point. So. Um, Similar boat, to, similar boat to head. I mean, uh, really did struggle last year. Uh, high K rate. Again, he's one of those guys that settled in. But what's interesting for me is that he did have really, really strong numbers in winter ball, um, and and the winter ball numbers actually came at a higher level than he was seeing in A plus uh, or high A. Excuse me. Um, so I, I mean, the reality of it is, is he might get promoted on that alone. So, um, I, I mean, yeah, it, it wasn't a great year, but uh, dude still got a pretty good pedigree. Um, you know, again, still young for the level and, and, and had a good winter. So I suspect 
that he'll be promoted, and I, I think he is one to watch. So I'm actually a reserved buy on him. So <laughs> the the gray doom cloud rolls in again. Um, he's for me. You pretty much cut and paste my Hudson Head uh, spiel. I just don't see it with him. Um, he doesn't have as scary of a K rate as Head, um, but I just don't see anything to get super excited about. So uh, that's kind of my my thoughts on on him. Uh, I can't. I don't see him getting promoted either. Uh, not with that that triple slash line he had and that high K rate, which actually jumped 12% from 21 to 22. Um, But we will see. So now at the double A level, let's talk about a guy who a couple years ago came out as a real revelation, but last year took some serious steps backwards and that's Matt Frazier. Yeah, he's a tough one to get a read on. I, it, the backtrack, the breakout didn't make a ton of sense, but then his backtrack last year didn't make a lot of sense either. So um, just really, I mean, I, I don't know if he just kind of got, you know, caught fire on, you know, two years ago and, and we're just seeing the real him or if he just for some reason struggled last se- season. Um, I, I don't know. I guess there's really no reason to not hold on him at this point. So I'm probably going to hold on him, but I do think he's going to restart in Altoona and... and Really, if he struggles again this year, I think, you know, we're going to see his star as a prospect fall pretty rapidly. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same. I'm going to put a hold on him, too, because just because he flashed some real potential in 2021. Um, and we're going to see what, what really happens. So I think that's kind of the, the definition of a hold. All right, so moving up to AAA. A uh, lot of power, a lot of buzz around him a couple years ago. Uh, and then last year was a very muted year. And you can tell the Pirates sort of uh, felt he wasn't really in their plans. And that's Mason Martin. Yeah, I think I'm going to sell on him. Uh, I, I hate to do it because there is that that mega power upside. But at the same time, power without hit tool is just nothing. You've got to be able to hit some. You know, you've got to be able to make contact, you know, to, to be a reasonable... Uh, starting option in any position. I don't see it anymore from him. I just don't. I I wish him well and whatever, you know, ventures come next in life for him. But uh, I, I do think that he's probably toast. Yeah, I do too. It's hard for me to see him lasting the calendar year of 2023 in the Pirates organization. They just had no confidence in calling him up last year and they had some real opportunities with how much of a black hole first base was. Uh, so yeah, that's a, that's a strong sell for me. All right. Last guy we're going to talk about at the triple A level. Um, all the other guys we've talked to up to this point, uh, pirate fans have at least maybe heard of, or had some casual passing knowledge of, but this one's kind of like a deep cut. This is the Dr. Robert on revolver. Uh, level prospect, and that's Colin Selby, who has already kind of outkicked his prospect coverage here uh, as a 16th round draft pick. He got a taste of AAA last year, so 
that's already success for that that level of pick. But um, for me, I'm I'm buying it. Uh, he's a he's an older guy, uh, age 25, but he's a reliever, so I I have more time for that than I do for starters. Um, looks like a guy that could be a, a long relief or seventh inning guy, and uh, that's good enough for me to to buy him. Yeah, we've been talking about a bunch of guys that have been young for level up to this point, but I think this is the first guy that we've really sort of come in contact with that is, you know, on the little bit of the older level for the where he was. But it, he performed really well in Altoon last year, and in a small sample size, he did really well at AAA too. So, I mean, let's see where this guy can go. I think that there's a good chance that he might be one of the first guys that gets called up you know, if there's a need at the major league level. So we're going to see him in Pittsburgh at some point this year. It'd be great to see him establish himself as as a go-to guy in the bullpen. All right, moving up to the major league level, uh, past first-round pick, Travis Swaggerty. Yeah, so I know this is going to sound crazy because he hasn't exactly lit the world on fire with his bat the way that you'd want a top-10 pick two, but I think there's enough there with him defensively and with the, uh, on the base pass that he could be a, you know, he's, I don't think he's going to be a big time impact player, but he could be a two win player at center field. Um, if he can just hit a little bit, um, you know, I, 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 I still am buying on him, I guess is what I'm trying to say at this point. I know that he's people are a little off on him and the pirates don't seem to have much confidence in him either. But, you know, that being said, I still think that there's enough tool. The right tools are there for a defensive position. I think of him kind of like a Jordy Mercer of center field where he's not going to be, you know, a huge upside guy, but at the same time, if he can be reliable with the glove and hit just enough, uh, he can be a pretty useful player for the pirates for a while. Yeah, I'm I'm strong selling on Travis Swaggerty. And uh, frankly, I'm kind of surprised he's made it this far because it sure seems like Ben Sherrington just has no use for him. Um, Swaggerty hasn't really done himself a lot of favors with the injuries that he's endured over the past couple of years, but uh, he's another guy that, you know, he was called up for, what, one, two days last year? Um and they definitely could have cycled him through a little bit more than that. Uh, it just seems like they just don't really have any have any use for him. Uh, all right, finally, last guy we're going to talk about here, Cal Mitchell. Yeah, he's an interesting one in the sense that he didn't really do much at the major league level when he was with the Pirates. Uh, I think his like third stint with the club, you know, he was a little bit more productive. But that being said, he was really, really good in AAA this year, you know, and he's hit consistently throughout his minor league career. I'm not really ready to give up on him, but I, I think I'm in a hold spot. I think he has an inside track at a roster spot anyway at this point with Andahar off the 40 man um, and, you know, Kutch sounding like he's going to be a DH. Uh, but I think that he is um, very much in danger of getting a 
quad A player label if he really can't establish himself, you know, this year or next. I mean, I don't think this is a break, make or break year for him, but it might honestly be a make or break year with him for the Pirates. You know, mm-hmm. there's a, a number of players that are coming up in the system behind him that, you know, they're not currently right fielders, but, you know, there's there's guys that have are, are of high quality that could very easily end up switching out there, um, you know, if, 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 if they can out, perform you know or him at this point yeah i'm a i'm a hold but it's a really light hold like you could basically walk over and just tap me on the elbow and i drop him uh he's just never been what i like to call a dynamic prospect there's nothing that has jumped out whether it's this guy can hit for power or this guy gets on base or this guy can steal a lot of bases for you or gold glove caliber defense he's just kind of there he's just very static um and just for me, that's that's not really someone that I think is going to have much much time in the organization. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, that's all for us this week. I am Kevin Cray. And I'm Steve DiMaselli. And you've been listening to The Point of Pittsburgh, the podcast.